Section twenty five, volume three of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Filippo Joachim. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 25 When it was the one hundred and seventieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, as regard the tale of Kamar al-Zaman, that there was in times of yore, and in ages long gone before, a king called Shariman, who was lord of many troops and guards, and officers, and who reigned over certain islands, known as the Calidan Islands, on the borders of the land of the Persians. But he was stricken in years, and his bones were wasted, without having been blessed with a son, albeit he had four wives, daughters of kings, and threescore concubines, with each of whom he was wont to lie one night in turn. This preyed upon his mind, and disquieted him, so that he complained thereof to one of his wazirs, saying, Verily, I fear lest my kingdom be lost when I die, for that I have no son to succeed me. The minister answered, O king, peradventure Allah shall yet bring something to pass, so rely upon the Almighty, and be instant in prayer. It is also my counsel that thou spread a banquet, and invite to it the poor and needy, and let them eat of thy food, and supplicate the Lord to vouchsafe thee a son, for perchance there may be among thy guests a righteous soul, whose prayers find acceptance, and thereby thou shalt win thy wish. So the king rose, made a lesser ablution, and prayed a two-bow prayer. Then he cried upon Allah with pure intentions, after which he called his chief wife to bed and lay with her forthright. By grace of God she conceived, and when her months were accomplished, she bore a male child, like the moon on the night of fullness. The king named him Kamar al-Zaman, and rejoiced in him with extreme joy, and bade the city be dressed out in his honor. So they decorated the streets seven days, whilst the drums beat and the messenger bore the glad tidings abroad. Then wet and dry nurses were provided for the boy, and he was reared in splendor and delight, until he reached the age of fifteen. He grew up of surpassing beauty, and seemlyhood, and symmetry, and his father loved him so dear that he could not brook to be parted from him day or night. One day he complained to a certain of his ministers anent the excess of his love for his only child, saying, O thou the wazir, of a truth I fear for my son, Kamar al-Zaman, the shifts on accidents which befall man, and fain would I marry him in my lifetime, answered the wazir. O king, know thou that marriage is one of the most honorable 
of moral actions, and thou wouldst indeed do well and right to marry thy son in thy lifetime, ere thou make him sultan. On this quoth the king, Hither with my son Kamar al-Zaman. So he came and bowed his head to the ground in modesty before his sire. O Kamar al-Zaman, said King Shariman, of a truth I desire to marry thee, and rejoice in thee during my lifetime. Replied he, O my father, know that I have no lust to marry, nor clothe my soul inclined to women, for that concerning their craft and perfidy I have read many books and heard much talk, even as saith the poet. Now, and of women ask ye, I reply, in their affairs I'm versed a doctor rare. When man's head grizzles and his money dwindles, in their reflections he hath not for share. And another said, Rebel against women, and so shalt thou serve Allah no more. The youth who gives women the rein must for fate all hope to soar. They'll balk him when seeking the strange device, Excelsior. Though waste he a thousand of years in the study of science and lore. And when he had ended his verses, he continued, O my father, wedlock is a thing whereto I will never consent. No, not though I drink the cup of death. When Sultan Shariman heard these words from his son, Light became darkness in his sight, and he grieved thereat with great grief. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and seventy-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Shariman heard these words from his son, the light became darkness in his sight and he grieved over his son's lack of obedience to his directions in the matter of marriage. Yet, for the great love he bore him, he was unwilling to repeat his wishes, and was not wroth with him, but caressed him, and spake him fair, and showed him all manner of kindness, such as tendeth to induce affection. All this, and Kamar al-Zaman increased daily in beauty, and loveliness, and amorous grace. And the king bore with him for a whole year, till he became perfect in eloquence and elegant wit. All men were ravished with his charms, and every breeze that blew bore the tidings of his gracious favor. His fair sight was a seduction to the loving, and a garden of delight to the longing. For he was honey-sweet, of speech, and the sheen of his face shamed the full moon. He was a model of symmetry and blandishment and engaging ways. His shape was as the willow wand or the rattan cane, and his cheeks might take the place of rose or red anemone. He was, in fine, the pink of perfection, even as the poet has said of him. He came and cried they, Now be Allah blessed. Praise him that clad thou soul in so fair vest. 
He is king of beauty, where the beauteous be. All are his riots, all obey his hest. His lip dews sweeter than the virgin honey. His teeth are pearls in double row close press. All charms are congregating him alone, And deals his loveliness to man on rest. Beauty wrought to those cheeks for words to see. I testify there is none good but he. When the year came to an end, The king called his son to him and said, O my son, wilt thou not hearken to me? Whereupon Kamar al-Zaman fell down for respect and shame before his sire, and replied, O my father, how should I not hearken to thee, seeing that Allah commandeth me to obey thee, and not gainsee thee? Rejoined King Shariman, O my son, know that I desire to marry thee, and rejoice in thee whilst yet I live, and make thee king over my realm before my death. When the prince heard his sire pronounce these words, he bowed his head a while, then raised it and said, O my father, this is a thing which I will never do. No, not though I drink the cup of death. I know of a surety that the Almighty hath made obedience to thee a duty in religion. But Allah upon thee, press me not on this matter of marriage nor fancy that I will ever marry my life long, for that I have read the books both of the ancients and the moderns, and I have come to know all the mischiefs and miseries which have befallen them through women in their endless artifices. And how excellent is the saying of the poet, He whom the randy moths and trap shall never see deliverance, Though build he forts a thousandfold, Whose mighty strength led plates and hence, Their force shall be of no avail, These fortresses have not a chance, Women I deal in treachery, To far and near over earth's suspense, With fingers dipped in henna blood, And locks in braids that mad the glance, And eyelids painted over with coal, they gar us drink of dire mischance. And how excellently saith another, Women, for all the chastity they claim, Are awful cast by kites, wherever they list. This night their talk and secret charms are shine, That night another joyeth calf and wrist, Like in whence after night thou first at dawn, And lodges other white, Thou hast not wist. Now when Shariman heard these his son's words, And learnt the import of his verses and poetical quotations, He made no answer of his excessive love for him, But redoubled in graciousness and kindness to him. He at once broke up the audience, And as soon as the sense was over, He summoned his minister, and taking him apart, said to him, O thou the wazir, tell me how I shall deal with my son in the matter of marriage. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, 
and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and seventy-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the king summoned his minister, and taking him apart, said to him, O thou the wazir, tell me what I shall do with my son in the matter of marriage. Of a truth I took counsel with thee thereon, and thou didst counsel me to marry him, before making him king. I have spoken with him of wedlock time after time, and he still gainsaid me. So do thou, O wazir, forthright advise me what to do. Answered the minister, O king, wait another year, and if after that thou be minded to speak to him on the matter of marriage, speak not to him privily, but address him on a day of state, when all the emirs and wazirs are present, with the whole of the army standing before thee. And when all are in crowd, then send for thy son, Kamar al-Zaman, and summon him. And when he cometh, broach to him the matter of marriage, before the wazirs and grandees and officers of state and captains, for he will surely be bashful and daunted by their presence and will not dare to oppose thy will. Now when King Shariman heard his wazir's words, he rejoiced with exceeding joy, seeing success in the project, and bestowed on him a splendid robe of honor. Then he took patience with his son another year, whilst, with every day that passed over him, Kamar al-Zaman increased in beauty and loveliness, and elegance and perfect grace, till he was nigh twenty years old. Indeed Allah had clad him in the cloak of comeliness, and had crowned him with the crown of completion. His eye-glance was more bewitching than Harut and Marut, and the play of his luring looks more misleading than Tagut, and his cheeks shone like the dawn rosy red, and his eyelashes stormed the keen-edged blade. The whiteness of his brow resembled the moon shining bright, and the blackness of his locks was as the murky night, and his waist was more slender than the gossamer and his back parts than two sand heaps bulkier, making a babble of the heart with their softness. But his waist complained of the weight of his hips and loins, and his charms ravished all mankind, even as one of the poets saith in these couplets. By his eyelash tendril curled, by his slender waist I swear, by the dart his witchery feathers, fatal hurtling through the air, by the just roundness of his shape, by his glances bright and keen, by the swart limping of his locks, and his fair forehead shining sheen, by his eyebrows which deny that she who looks on them should sleep, which now commanding, now forbidding, over me high dominion keep, by the roses of his cheek, his face as fresh as myrtle wreath, his tulip lips, and those pure pearls that hold the places of his teeth, by his noble form 
which rises fatally, turned in even swell, to where upon his jutting chest two young promgrenades seem to dwell, by his supple moving hips, his taper waist, the silky skin, by all he robbed perfection of, and holds enchained his form within, by his tongue of steadfastness, his nature true and excellent, by the greatness of his rank, his noble birth and high descent, Musk from my love her savour steals, who musk exhales from every limb, and all the airs ambergris breathes are but the zephyrs blow over him. The sun, methinks, the broad bright sun, as low before my love should quail, as would my love himself transcend the paltry parting of his nail. So King Shariman, having accepted the counsel of his wazir, waited for another year and a great festival. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and seventy-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Shariman, having accepted the counsel of his wazir, waited for another year and a great festival, a day of state when the audience hall was filled with the emirs and wazirs and grandees of his reign and officers of state and captains of might and main. Thereupon he sent for his son Kamar al-Zaman, who came, and kissing the ground before him three times, stood in presence of his sire, with his hands behind his back, the right grasping the left. And said the king to him, Know, O my son, that I have not sent for thee on this occasion, and summoned thee to appear before this assembly, and all these officers of state, here awaiting our orders, save and accept that I may lay a commandment on thee, wherein do thou not disobey me, and my commandment is that thou marry, for I am minded to wed thee to a king's daughter, and rejoice in thee ere I die. When the prince heard this, much from his royal sire, he bowed his head, grand words, a while, then raising it towards his father, and being moved thereto at that time by youthful folly and boyish ignorance, replied, But for myself I will never marry, no, not though I drink the cup of death. As for thee, thou art great in age and small of wit, hast thou not twice ere this day and before this occasion questioned me of the matter of marriage, and I refused my consent? Indeed, thou dotest and are not wit to govern a flock of sheep. So saying, Kamar al-Zaman unclasped his hands from behind his back, and tucked up his leaves above his elbows before his father, being in a fit of fury. Moreover, he added many words to his sire, knowing not what he said in the trouble of his spirits. The king was confounded and ashamed, for that this befell in the presence of his grandees and soldier officers assembled on a high festival and a state occasion. But presently the majesty of kingship took him, and he cried out at his son and made it tremble. 
Then he called to the guards standing before him and said, Seize him! So they came forward and laid hands on him, and binding him, brought him before his sire, who bade them pinion his elbows behind his back, and in this guise make him stand before the presence. And the prince bowed down his head for fear and apprehension, and his brow and face were beaded and sprangled with sweat, and shame and confusion troubled him sorely. Thereupon his father abused him, and reveled him, and cried, Woe to thee, thou son of adultery, and nursling of abomination! How dost thou answer me on this wise, before my captains and soldiers? But hitherto none hath chastised thee, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and seventy-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that King Shariman cried out to his son, Kamar al-Zaman, How darst thou answer me on this wise before my captains and soldiers? But hitherto, None hath chastised thee. Knowest thou not that this deed thou hast done were disgrace to him had it been done by the meanest of my subjects? And the king commanded his Mamelukes to lose his elbow bonds and imprison him in one of the bastions of the citadel. So they took the prince and thrust him into an old tower, wherein there was a dilapidated saloon and in its middle a ruined well, after having first swept it and cleansed its floor flags, and set therein a couch on which they laid a mattress, a leathern rug, and a cushion. And then they brought a great lanthorn and a wax candle, for that place was dark, even by day. And lastly the Mamelukes led Kamar al-Zaman thither, and stationed an eunuch at the door, and when all this was done, the prince threw himself on the couch, sad-spirited and heavy-hearted, blaming himself and repenting on his injurious conduct to his father, whenas repentance availed him not, and saying, Allah, curse marriage and marriageable and married woman, the traitress is all. Would I had hearkened to my father and accepted a wife, had I so done, it had been better for me than this jail. This is how it fared with him. But as regards King Shariman, he remained seated on his throne all throughout the day until sundown. Then he took the minister apart and said to him, Know thou, O wazir, that thou and thou only wast the cause of all this that hath come to pass between me and my son, by the advice thou wast pleased to devise. And so what dost thou counsel me to do now? Answered he, O king, leave thy son in limbo for a space of fifteen days, then summon him to thy presence, and bid him wed, and assuredly he shall not gainsay thee again. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 25 
of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3. Recording by Filippo Joachim.